0: Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash Boss Project for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash Boss Project for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Today we're getting real with blogging. I know for a lot of you, blogging is not your favorite thing. Maybe you don't like it. That's okay. We're going to talk to you about why it's important, how it's been super incremental to our personal growth and our business growth, and some hints and tips for you to make it a little bit easier on yourself so maybe you can enjoy it a little bit more. Heck yeah. So I think before we can get
1: into the actual meat and potato strategy, we have to get into the right mindset about blogging. And I think we all need to make sure we're on the same page and know that blogging is not a get rich quick scheme. It is not a you post up one blog and all of a sudden you have West Elm knocking on your door wanting to do a sponsored post. Blogging doesn't even look like it used to look even five, 10 years ago. It's an entirely different strategy, an entirely different marketing game plan. And in order to get paid, from your blog, you have to have a different mindset. And that is that blogging is 100% straight up, no joke, a long-term gain. Yes,
0: so much yes. I think people get caught up on wanting to see quick results like anything else. They think blogging is the quick way to see financial gain. And yes, there is huge return on investment with your time in blogging, but it does not happen on Week one, week five, week 10, (laughs) you could be a solid couple of years into it before you really Mm -hmm. start seeing the long-term benefit of all the work you've put in.
1: Well, and here's also what you're going to not see. There is never, ever, okay, maybe one time, and I'll give you one example, but it is hardly ever an instance where you look at blogging, and then you look at the income you make, the profits that you make from your business, and you're able to directly tie every single sale to a post or how long you were blogging or whatever. It's not a clear one line. It is a jumbled journey from a reader to a buyer. And we're going to go into how you can make a person go along that channel better and faster. But it is hardly ever a time where you can see and know the exact efforts of one thing that lead into another. Now, the one instance that might be different is when you're literally offering the sale of a program or something that you offer a product or a service at the end of a blog post. And if they literally click that link that you're able to track and they go buy it, that's a clear route. But nine times out of 10, they're going to continue to be reading your content. They're going to continue to be wowed and amazed by what you offer. They're going to continue to be building that relationship with you. They're probably going to go follow you in all the other places. They're probably going to sign up for your list. They're probably going to have some easy yeses. And that includes reading your blog posts and coming back for more before they even buy anything. So I think we think that it's not worth it as soon as we can't see that exact A to B outcome. Trust us though, it is helping. Yes.
0: And I want to give you a little bit of a reality check. Yes, we went from zero to 272,000 blog readers, but that stuff did not just happen. It didn't just magically, boom, we didn't have something go viral and have like this ginormous success. Our first month of blogging, only 1,012 people read the blog. hmm Mm-hmm. And, you know, things change. Like, obviously, over time, things change. Nearly a year and a half reader in November of 16, we had 22,193 readers in that month. And I mean, those people were reading the blog multiple times. So those people were reading two and three blog posts. So our page views are three, four times as much as our reader score is. But mm-hmm. that sort of momentum was not quick. And it was definitely Mm. an uphill battle. And we're going to talk to you about the steps we took to get there and some of our favorite ways to kind of break it down so it doesn't feel so daunting. Because I think you see these big numbers and you think, well, if I just do this one thing, this will happen. And Mm -hmm. blogging probably more than any other thing we do is a little complicated. It takes Mm -hmm. a lot of small steps. They're not hard. They're not rocket science, but they're small and tedious and you have to do them over and over and over again.
1: So first, now that we're in that mindset and we know that it's a long-term game plan and we know that we're not going to immediately see overnight success, let's talk about that fear of... Well, holy crap, what do I write about? How do I figure out what to say? How many blog posts do I need to get queued up? Who do I need to be talking to? What are my themes and topics and whatever? And I think we'll like to share with you at the beginning, we didn't know the answer to really any of those questions. No. We just did it. And in fact, at the beginning, our blog was just Abigail's blog. So she had it on the website that we now have, Think Creative Collective. And she started more as a side hustle, as like a creative outlet to pour some energy into. She knew she wanted to blog and she knew that, okay, this is a long-term game plan. I want people to come to my website, yada, yada. But I don't exactly know how I'm going to get there. So I think like a lot of people, it started very lifestyle.
0: Yeah. And I think it started with a big mix. Like I was really hoping... Hoping that I could be like some of the bloggers that I had seen out there. And most of the bloggers I was familiar with at the time were like DIY craft bloggers. And I didn't necessarily know, I didn't necessarily want to be a craft blogger, but I didn't know how to differentiate myself. And I didn't necessarily know that I could do it in a businessy type of way. Not to mention, I didn't have any motivation to make it businessy. Like when I started, it was purely just for me. And it was just Mm -hmm. to Start building an audience. I didn't know who I was talking to or why I was talking to them, but that's okay. Like, yes, I was starting a business and it was on the sidelines of this thing, but it wasn't my full attention.
1: So, I think what we're saying is give yourself freedom to not have all the answers from day one and go ahead and just start. And know that as you do it, and the more that you do it, the more you will be able to refine what you actually want to talk about. And we pivoted that same blog that had a blueberry streusel recipe and a recap of a local Kansas City event and how to perfect your LinkedIn profile. All those three very different type of posts. We did not make a new blog. We did not recreate the reel. We just started writing different content and we kept loading on the same blog. Eventually we unlinked some of those. We deleted them. We tweaked them. But just because you start out in one genre or one niche does not mean that you cannot continue that same exact blog with the readership and with the foundation and whatever and just pivot your topic. That's totally okay.
0: People will fall off or they won't remember that you did this before. You are the only one who knows everything you've ever written, who seen mm-hmm. everything you've ever written, who's aware of all of it. So just let it go. People will come in at different stages and they won't even know that you did something different six months ago, Mm -hmm. you can just pick a schedule and go with it. So I think not knowing is actually a really invigorating place to start. Because then you can just write from your heart, write what you want to write about, write about life, write about business, write whatever strikes your fancy. And eventually, you're going to find out where your voice is really clear. Because at the beginning,
1: that's what's going to motivate you to keep writing, is if you actually like what you're writing about. Absolutely.
0: I think I quickly found my voice in business because those were the posts that were naturally being more talked about. They're the ones being more Mm -hmm. shared, more people, were coming to read them. And I was like, oh, nobody cares that I painted this thing in my guest room. (laughs) Maybe I should share more useful information. And I think that's a caveat to anything, regardless of what your top content is. I think we do need to take a step back and eventually, maybe not at first, make it less about us and more about your reader. Mm -hmm. When I started, it was very self-motivated, very much about me, I, blah, body blah. No one cares. Nobody cares at all. Mm-mm. They want to care about themselves. And so if you can put them in your shoes, if you can talk to them as if they are the only ones that matter, they're going to be mm-hmm. way more likely to read your content regardless of the topic. Heck yeah.
1: So now let's talk about how often we're actually pushing this stuff out. So at the very beginning, when you decided that blogging was going to be a strategy for this future thing, whatever it was going to become, and bless your soul for doing this, you decided to blog five days a week, every single week without fail. Why did you do that?
0: Because I saw what it was doing for other businesses. I saw the long-term longevity. And I knew with my background in marketing, with my background in design, that simply by having more content, more frequently that Google was going to like me more, more people Mm -hmm. were likely to find me. If I wasn't touching on one subject, they were going to find something else and resonate with that. And so simply by having more content available more frequently, I knew my possibilities of growth were quicker and Mm -hmm. more achievable. And I don't know why I was just really determined. And I think part of it comes back to a personal problem of mine is that I have very poor personal follow through. So when other people are holding me accountable, say in school, say I volunteer for something, I am all over it. I never let someone down. And When it's about me, when it's about my personal responsibilities, I am way more likely to fail, hence why dieting has never worked for me in a (laughs) long-term way. So the blogging thing, it was like my determination to prove everyone wrong because it was for me and nobody else was telling me to do it. And so I wanted to be like, you know what, I'm going to do it and I'm going to own it and I'm going to not stop and Mm -hmm. no one else is going to stop me.
1: So if you're wanting to mimic similar results to what we did and what we saw, especially in the first few months, consider posting blogging five days a week. If that seems way unrealistic to you and you know that, okay, maybe you'll post five days a week on this week, but then you're gonna have to like take a break for three weeks because you just can't keep up with that content, don't pick that strategy. Don't pick that schedule. The biggest key to blogging is showing up consistently not only for Google, but for your audience to also know when to expect you there. So if you can only blog every single Tuesday, then stick with that and pick it, but hold yourself accountable to do it. But also make sure your goals and where you want your blog to go and how quickly is aligned with how often you're able to be there.
0: Now, I will say a caveat. If you are writing once a week instead of more frequently, I have heard a lot of people talk about longer content. Personally, I think We do a good job of having very rich content that's still meaty and beefy regularly. But if you're writing just once a week, I think the longer the better. And I know that sounds kind of counterintuitive. Like, I only need 300 words for it to be a blog post. I think if you aren't writing 1800 words or more, you're wasting your time because you need Mm -hmm. to be addressing these things in big ways and giving people action steps, regardless of topic, to make it super valuable to them. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. it's just some pretty pictures and a few words on a page.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So
0: then, okay, we decided to
1: pick five days a week and we're running straightforward with it. We knew that our topic was going to change as our business changed. It went from educating one-on-one clients to why they needed to hire us and about our design process and our photography process and what it was like to work with us. And then it shifted more into education when we weren't taking one-on-one clients and we were letting that happen. And it was awesome and freeing. And we had the ability to do that. So when we were actually writing, and as we were just letting this stuff kind of shift out, go over some of the strategies that we had from the beginning versus what we have now to get people to see that blog.
0: Yeah, so I think it really depends on what you're targeting specifically. I will say really quickly before I jump into how we were getting it out there, the topics themselves were very much focused on what we were trying to sell. So every topic we said was aligned with, Something that was for sale. So originally, like you were saying, those were really building up our expertise in our industry and really focusing on what we do best but what we do best shifted. And so we just naturally shifted the blog content. And so I think whatever you're doing best or whatever you're trying to sell, if you can align your content directly with that, it's going to make A, your job easier because you already know all this stuff. And B, it's going to make it so much easier to transition a reader to a buyer. As -hmm. far as like tactical ways we went about getting this stuff out there, A, the blog came out at the same time every single day. So the Mm -hmm. blog always posted at 5 a.m. It didn't matter when I wrote it. It didn't matter if it was two weeks ago or two hours ago, which I don't suggest Mm -hmm. writing at 3 a.m. I've done it, but don't do it that was scheduled and consistent. So regardless of where people were in the world, they knew when the clock was going to flip, they could predict that it was coming. And so if they were enjoying reading the blog, they could come there on their own. And they knew when to expect new content. For people that hadn't heard of us before, I think we had three ways we were going about sharing this and obviously more kind of came after the fact. But I think three ways initially. One, Every single morning, we were sharing a story, a snippet of what they could find on the blog on Instagram, and then Mm -hmm. directly telling them to go to the blog. Like that was the call to action. Go read Mm -hmm. this thing to find out more about X.
1: Well, and for the first almost year of business, I think the URL in our Instagram bio was 99% of the time the link to the recent blog post.
0: Yeah, I do think we were trying to be very specific and trying to get people over there. The second attempt to get people to the blog was by sharing on Pinterest. And we had a very simple strategy where we pinned our own content. If you're not doing this, please pin your own content. Do it. Save some people some time. And then we were pinning it to a board and then repinning it to any other relevant board. We later automated a lot of the system using Tailwind. But in the beginning, it was just two minutes a day of Mm -hmm. repinning it ourselves to make sure it was getting out there. And then we let Pinterest do a lot of the work to get people to repin it and see it. And then we also posted the same link and lingo on Facebook. Now, do I think Facebook worked out in the long term? No, no. No. But do I think it could if we spent more time on it? Maybe. It's not where we put our focus at all. Mm-mm.
1: No. We definitely decided at the beginning to really focus on Instagram and Pinterest. And Instagram even definitely more so than Pinterest. And it showed the results. We saw it very quickly that Pinterest and Instagram, I think, are still to this day neck and neck in being top referrers of traffic to our they site. They
0: definitely fight. I think right now, right at this very minute, Pinterest Is winning. But the weird thing, and I guess the point to make, is Pinterest is more passive. So we literally have to spend less time to get the same results. Whereas Instagram, to get the results we're getting, it is us posting nose to the grindstone every single day, every single time we have a new blog post. Now, could we reuse mm-hmm. the same blog post? Absolutely. Could we repromote the same blog multiple times a week if we only wrote one? Absolutely. But the results from Instagram were very much actively going after them, whereas Pinterest... You set a few things up, it just works.
1: Mm-hmm. I love it.
0: So, I think the point of all of this being, it's
1: never just one solution that's going to make your blog successful. No. It is never going to be one type of post. It is never going to be one pin, one Instagram post. The key to doing this is to keep doing it over and over and over in order for you to get that foundation built of A, the people who continuously come back because they know the value of what you're putting out there, and B, getting seen by brand new faces every single day.
0: Well, and I think when you start out, you are more excited about small results. So, you know, that first week, it was like, oh my God, 50 people had any care in the world to read what I say. Now I'm like concerned if 1500 <laughs> people didn't go to the blog. And right. obviously your kind of expectations shift over time, but just know wherever you're at, just set your own expectations. Don't look at other people's mm-hmm. numbers. Your industry is different than ours. That's awesome. So don't worry about what our numbers were specifically, just look mm-hmm. at your own standards. And obviously there going to shift over time. But then when you do start getting to the point where it is working, I want you to remember the days when it was way smaller, like you've come Mm -hmm. so far. Mm -hmm. And I think you forget to reflect on the really amazing results you've already got.
1: 100%. So let's get to the gold of where people finally get to transfer those readers into followers, subscribers, buyers, clients, customers, whatever it makes sense for their business there was a really key way that I think we did really well for a long time. And then we kind of sucked at it. And now we're getting better at it. So this ebbed and flowed in our own business. But I think what a lot of people forget the value of is yes, obviously getting someone to read a post, visit your website, book you or buy something from you is incredible. That chain happening, I'm not gonna say it's rare because it's different for every single type of business, but it's a lot harder to get that yes than any other thing. So we like to consider adding in easier yeses. So these could be anything from go read this next post because we want you to stay on our website Go read how you can hire us because it stays on our website and educates more of that process. Or, specifically, and the easiest yes to get is go download this thing for free. You just have to give me your email. And those are called opt ins or call to actions, content upgrades down at the end of your blog post or in the middle of your blog post, wherever you want to add them. And if you're unfamiliar, they can range from something as easy as a one page PDF to an ebook to an email e-course, to a challenge, anything that you want them to drop in their email for so they get something from you. That is a fantastic content upgrade. And considering adding those on to every single blog post will drastically start to shift your just lollygagger readers to people who are engaged with you.
0: Well, not only engaged, but because you've captured their email, now you can talk to them in other ways. And your email list is so vitally important to being able to reach back out to them and nurture them and make them feel like they're your friend and talk to them in a way that feels super authentic, where otherwise you're just hoping they come back like how many times mm-hmm. have you gone and read an awesome blog post and then you like close the tab on accident or you left the room or you need to restart your computer or whatever and then the next day you're like hmm I really what was that? I don't remember <clears throat> where was I and like there's literally no way for you to go back unless you like try to recreate your footsteps but generally no one's gonna do this like they're just mm-hmm. like man that's all right cool whatever. (laughs) Or they don't even realize they're missing it. Like they don't even realize that they met someone new and like didn't follow up. So capturing that email address is so vitally important. And I think one of the, I wouldn't say it's a mistake, but one of the things we learned over time is in the beginning, it felt like we needed a new opt-in all of the time. Oh my gosh. All of the time. We ended up with like 30 opt-ins. Which... I will say having an opt-in that is super in line with your content will make someone way more likely to download it and way more likely mm-hmm. to sign up. But when you have too many, it just makes it super hard to manage on the back end. It makes it really hard mm-hmm. to have all your links in a row and have, I think we're probably an anomaly and I don't think most people have this problem. I could be wrong. <laughs> it just depends. But if you do start creating a lot Definitely have a way to keep them organized because mm-hmm. I think before there was literally no system to tracking where all the links were, where all the graphics were, where all the downloads were, <laughs> and we were constantly searching for things. Whereas now, like, we have a lead box links doc mm-hmm. that has all of the links in them, we have all of the graphics in a certain folder in Dropbox, like, everything is super aligned, and now there's actually a plan for
1: the mm-hmm. opt ins. Well, and we even pared down on our opt-ins. And even if we had them all in one place, but we still had as many as we used to have, it would still be overwhelming. Because what happens is, and this is the reason why we started getting really sucky at it, is that you get so overwhelmed with how many opt-ins you have. And so you don't know which one will be perfect for this blog post. You just don't pick any. And you put yourself into that decision paralysis Just like we don't want to put our clients and customers in when we're like, I'm overwhelmed, so I'm just not going to do anything. And instead, if you have clear buckets of opt-ins that reach different people or cover a different topic or provide something different so they're not all going down the same channel, then you're able to say, okay, well, what category out of all of these would make sense to add to this post?
0: It will and it also drives the content you end up writing so that you have clear yes. topics. So if you end up creating categories, maybe you have one or two opt ins for every category. And don't mm-hmm. just don't make it super complicated. It doesn't need yeah. to be complicated. But having that clear way for people to sign up is so incredibly important.
1: So, if you guys need help with figuring out how to design your opt in, how to put it up in your blog post, we'll provide some links in the show notes for some resources to help you out there. We love and use lead pages, like Abigail mentioned, and we collect everyone via ConvertKit, which is our absolute favorite.
0: Want to learn exactly step by step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? Well, let's talk about this
1: myth of, but I feel like I'm just going to like give everything away on my blog. And if I give all the way the secrets on my blog, then no one's actually going to buy from me or hire me or anything because they can just get it for free.
0: I dare you to give it all away. No yep. one reads all of your stuff. No one sees all of it. I could go on for days about how important giving it all away has been to yes. our growth personally, because there was just no sense in how it. There was no sense Mm -hmm. in keeping it a secret because once you start sharing, then people respect you more and they Mm -hmm. feel more a part of your business. You're way more transparent with what's happening and how they can be helpful. And here's what it's not doing. It's not taking away from your potential buyer pool. It's not, you know, limiting Your opportunities. I think we make up these stories about what it's going to do. But really, tell them about the story about the webinar the other day about someone yelled at somebody else about their structure, but they thought they were teaching too much. Oh my gosh. So someone
1: we admire and follow along in her business got a nasty email and her growth strategy is posting a lot of webinars and giving knowledge inside these webinars and sometimes asking for the sale after the webinar, very similar to how we do. And she got this email from someone that was like, you give way too much away in your webinars. That's not what they are for. It's supposed to be 25% introduction, 25% education, 25% this sale and then 25% convincing them that they need to buy the sale. She's like, I don't even understand how you're making any money. And this is a six figure, if not multiple six figure person out there who's making bank off of webinars. And it's just very humorous to me. And I call it the old school marketing techniques where people were very shy about giving stuff away and giving knowledge away because they were so scared that then someone could just sweep in and copy everything they were offering and sell it themselves or they would go buy it from someone else or whatever. But I'm here to tell you time and time again, it has not only been proven in our business, but in hundreds of other businesses out there, that the more that you just provide value and ask yourself, is this going to help change someone's business or life today by reading this, then that's how much I need to give. There is no amount that you could give out into a blog post that is going to turn what could be a potential buyer away. And I say that because there will always be the people out there who just want to read things and are never going to buy things. You are not gonna convert them anyways. They're definitely now not going to be a follower or a reader or a sharer if you're not actually providing value and it's just fluff. Then there are the people who need the handholding, who need the actual thing, who need it delivered in a different format, who even if it's the same thing or very similar content but expanded upon are absolutely going to buy the thing for purchase if it's different and makes their life easier, period. Those are the only two types of people in the world.
0: So let me just tell, like, let me paint the picture. Like, I think some of you are still hesitating. So I'm going to tell you a story. You all witnessed it, whether you realize it or not. But the landscape is changing online. Okay, Apple, think about your iPhone. Most of you have an iPhone. I'm going to venture to guess eight out of 10 people listening to this have an iPhone either in their pocket or on their desk. That phone was not a thing until... Apple released their API and allowed other people to develop apps for their phone. Before App Store, you bought a new phone from a new carrier every two years like clockwork. As soon as Apple released all of the knowledge and the entire database to how their phone operates, then... It exploded,
1: and you know what else happened? Other people came on the scene and created phones that look exactly like the iPhone. But iPhone people, or people who are Apple people, are not converting no.
0: anyways, so it doesn't it matter. Doesn't matter. Oh my gosh, I could go on for days. But Apple is a true example of being willing to give it all away. No, they're not giving you the schematic design for like <laughs> how the phone works together, but they're giving you the operating system so that you can build on top of it. So think of it in that way. like Obviously, there's some things that you're not going to walk them through step by step how you do exactly your job because A, that would take way too long. Nobody has time for that. But you can walk them through just this piece over here and then just this piece over here and then just this piece over here. They're not going to read everything. So they're not going to ever get the entire vision of what's going on in your head or in your business.
1: And so ask yourself, what do people need to know before they buy from you? before they hire you. Teach them that. Teach them the groundwork, like stage zero and you're stage one. Yeah.
0: Does that make sense? Absolutely. Or make it follow up, make it a value add Mm -hmm. for your existing customers. So what do they need to know after they buy from you? So you can keep them around Mm -hmm. and maybe sell them something else later. Like this is all an experience to build your expertise up and you have to give it all away by doing that.
1: Yep. And so what this does is in fact build that expertise. And I say expertise in quotes because you know that I hate this word. I know word. you do. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I wish I need to come up with a different word for it, but I say it because everyone knows what the word means and they've all heard it. The reason why I hate expertise is because no one is the expert at everything. No matter how often you do it, no matter how good you are at doing it, there is always and should be someone who is smarter in something than you are, so you are never the expert in everything. You're just not, and it's fine. There are also people just calling themselves experts after they've like blogged twice. Anyways, but what it does for the people who are in your audience, for the people who are potentially buying from you, it establishes you as the go-to person. You're the guru, right? No matter what it is. So I know it's really hard, especially if you're a product-based business or like an in-person service-based business to reframe your thinking that blogging would work for you in the same aspect. So let me give you some examples. Before I was the co-founder of TCC. And before I was teaching, I was a photographer. So nights and weekends, I was shooting. I was editing constantly. I was doing sessions all the while trying to grow my audience, right? And I wanted to establish myself as a premier photographer in my town. And I wanted to educate people on why it was important to invest in photography. So that's what I wrote about. I was writing to the people about to hire me and speaking directly to them and talking about the value of my services, why I charge what I charge, why I shot in a certain time of day that I shot, why I edited or whatever, whatever the why was, whatever the questions I was getting asked or whatever like hesitation. I think I would get from those people, I would write about it on the blog. And then if I ever got those hesitations in real life, I could easily just send them the link to that post.
0: Well, and the really cool thing this does for you, I'm so proud of Emily for doing this because whether she realized it or not, people, when they see her for the first time ever and they compare her to other people in her town, even though like that's the only people they're gonna potentially buy from because for her, it was a local based business. And that was an important aspect of her being in business. But because she was offering this extra value add, she all of a sudden, regardless of their talent, regardless of how many years they had been in business, she seemed way more legit, way more put together, way more educated, way more in the know than all of her competition who isn't blogging. Mm-hmm. And that's just crazy because she could quickly jump over people who had been in business four or five, 10 times as long just because she had this extra value that she could give them. And I was. That was the result. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. I'm glad it was working for you, even though you quit. <laughs> even though I did quit, I retired. You retired. That's what we're going with. You retired. I retired. Yeah. I retired at like 20 You're a retired (laughs) photographer. Gotcha. So those were just a few
1: topic ideas that you could also take in your own business, no matter what you offer. We'll go over just a couple real quick, just to kind of get you thinking. Those were asking, answering the questions that I would often get asked, or those were educating my future clients on why they needed to invest in a certain service. So very, very educational and very like, oh, if you're going to ask this like I would get asked all the time, why don't you just offer digitals? Well, I didn't want to because for one, I didn't make my money off of that way. That's a that's big reason. But I also didn't believe in just offering digitals. I had a huge you know, story about the value of having a physical thing in your home, like hanging on the walls. And so I would go into that story and I would explain that. Your clients and customers don't know the answers to those questions. So, I guarantee you that you're getting emails from potential clients or customers. You're having conversations with them. They're asking you questions that you think are super obvious and clear. Every single one of those can be a blog post.
0: Yeah. I mean, let's just like break down some ideas. So, I know a calligrapher who sells physical products. In fact, I know dozens of them, but (laughs) I'm thinking of one in particular. Rachel sells mugs. She has a awesome blog. And it's a little bit of lifestyle. But like, you could include all sorts of things that are just different, like how to use this for a special occasion, or she pairs her products with other products that aren't hers, and like shows how you can style them together. I don't know if she's written this, but I think it would be a great blog post is how to care for these items, like especially if it's something you eat off of. And it's handmade. People are like, well, do I have to hand wash it? Can I put it in the dishwasher? Can it go in the oven? Can I microwave it? But if you're not in the product-based world and you have services, talk to them about your process. Talk to them about how you book them. Talk about your individual services. Explain what's involved in each of those. I think if you can go into extreme depth and it doesn't matter what you're doing because you can really go into extreme detail about all these things. And I think they're just things we overthink because we're in our business. So you need to Absolutely. S- take a step back and like, what would you want to know about X if you were searching for something? 100%. Love those ideas.
1: So I think before we wrap up, I would love to go over the biggest mistakes that we see a lot of people making in blogging that are leading to a lower readership or not as fast growth or not as quickly selling things and making money from their blogging efforts. These are super simple and they definitely seem super obvious, but I think a lot of us don't do these things out of fear and out of the simple fact that sometimes we just don't know.
0: Yeah, so I think the number one thing people do is publish content and then never tell anyone they publish content. Wah, wah, this wah. just reminds me of, you know, high school blogging. We all did it. What? Live journaling? Whether you, mean? you did it. You know, I did Zanga. That was my hashtag Zanga. <laughs> my mom would kill me. She was like, "Why? This is so personal. Like, other people could read this. Nobody was reading my Zanga. Like, literally, no, no one even knew it was there. No, except like my weird boyfriend at the
1: time. Yeah, that creepy dude from MySpace. No,
0: he wasn't on MySpace. Anyway, this is fine. What I'm saying is, you have to tell people. That you wrote something. And so you're going to put it on social media. You're going to pin it to things. You're going to share it in all the places. And then once you've done that, you're going to do it again and again. Mm -hmm. Every time you Mm -hmm. write something new and not even necessarily every time you write something new, but reshare the same stuff you already did. Because here's the thing. We've said this time and time again
1: throughout this episode no one will remember what you are doing. You are in your business so strongly that you think there's like other people out there making like little tally check marks about every time you mention this blog post or every time you mention oh this service. Knows. And that it's your mom. If there's anyone, it's your mom or it's yourself, like it's your alter ego sitting over there like doing these check marks. You're in the business to make money. Businesses need money to be a business and to run and to be sustainable and to be awesome and to take over the world, right? So in order for that to happen, you need to sell things. In order for you to sell things, you need to tell people how they can buy the thing. And that may lead from read this post, sign up to this thing, and then they get nurtured throughout there. I'm not necessarily saying at every blog post, be like, oh, by the way, go buy this coffee mug. Or, oh, by the way, go book my services. There are channels and funnels that lead to those things. But asking someone to do something at the end of every post, on every Instagram post about that blog post, on Pinterest, whatever, is your job.
0: Yes, it is your job. Like, literally, it's your job. (laughs) Yeah. Let's think about this for a second. You own a business it is your job to tell people that you have a business. And blogging is probably the number one easiest way to get people to your website, which helps sell your products. So just share it. Oh my gosh. That's like a flowchart of success right there (laughs) that you just (laughs) had. So another mistake we see people making is having way too short of a blog post. Uh It's just sad. I just want to like pet it and like pinch (laughs) its cheeks. It's just too short. It's like a little baby blog post. little baby blog post. Here's the thing. Google prefers quality over
1: quantity, but that means like quantity is in the amount of blog posts, not the length of the blog post. For them to see quality, their robots are smart, okay? They're asking, is this person who just wrote this blog post, can I see clearly in my robot mind that it is going to add value and answer a question that someone might ask on Google? And if that answer is yes in my robot mind, I'm going to give this blog post a gold star. If it is not, my robot mind shuts down and says, Nat, see you later. Nope. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what I'm happened. pretty sure you're right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. That... Effort is not wasted. If you have some short things to say and they don't end up on your blog, but you wrote them anyway, or maybe they're from a long time ago and you're ready to like purge them, you can reuse that content and make it a meaty Instagram post because a couple paragraphs that are too short for a blog are perfect for a nearly blog post on Instagram. Yep. Micro blog, y'all. Do it. It's in. It's hot sexy. (laughs) So deadlines. Oh, deadlines. That's what you said. Having dull deadline, headline, headline. (laughs) (laughs) Having a
1: dull deadline. Headlines need to be sexy, y'all. And what I mean by sexy headline is not clickbaity and not scammy and not gross.
0: Can you read people the text that you got? Oh my gosh. Okay. I literally got this text message today. It is ridiculous. Let me just tell you what it says. Shopping with an apostrophe in the middle. Daddy Ugg boots with like 14 million. I don't even know. There's like a hashtag between the U and the G and a dollar sign between the G and the G. And then boots and then an arrow sign and then the URL and then 86% off. But between every letter of off, there's a dollar sign. And Ooh. then I literally don't know. It's gibberish after that. They're reminding you that you're
1: saving money on the 86% off. They're like, 80, money, you're saving it. Six, you're still saving more money, percent. That feeling that you get from reading something like that (laughs) is the exact feeling other people get when they see a clickbait headline. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. I'm posting up a really good meme that I saw today in the show notes about clickbait, and it's hilarious, and it's funny, and you're going to crack up about it. But if you are brand new or you don't know what a clickbait headline is, it's something like... You'll never believe what this dog did to get across this street. So don't make those same mistakes. What we want you to instead look at is, are you being clear but sexy? about what people are going to get from that blog post. So be obvious in what it is and what you're talking about, but put a spin on it. So one of our favorite tactics of doing that is adding a number. So we make that blog post have like a list of things. So it's like 47 ways to be a super awesome boss lady when you work from home. That's an awful headline. Don't use that one. <laughs> but something like that. We're also going to post up in the show notes a really cool opt-in that we made, oh, years ago now that made the cut. That's really going to help you brainstorm some ideas for headlines for your own blog post. Okay. It it includes
0: 101 ideas y'all. So this is well worth going to snag. So let's talk strategy to me. Heck to the yes. I'm (laughs) pumped.
1: So for someone who wants to grow their blog readership, perhaps they want to go from zero to 272,000 blog readers like we did. What is the number one, or the first step out of three that they should take today, right now, to make that happen.
0: I think you got to start blogging. What? (laughs) Shocker. I know. I think you need to start a blog if you haven't already. And if you already have a blog, you need to pick a new schedule and then start creating content on that blog right away because you're motivated, you're ready, and we're excited to see what you have to say. Heck to the yes. So
1: action step number two, you've started your blog, or you've picked a new schedule. Your second action step is to figure out what you want your opt-ins to be on those blog posts that you're creating. Because remember, you can go back and edit old blog posts, and if you're pinning them, it's going to edit that same pin. So maybe do one page PDF, and maybe just do some sort of like, get on my email list to hear about how awesome I am, and have people drop it in there. So figure out what your opt-ins are gonna be, and figure out how to set those up on
0: your blog post as content upgrades awesome and number three i'm going to encourage you to give it all away so don't hold back create awesome content if you are struggling with what to write again reference that 101 idea list that we are giving you away in the show notes but don't be afraid to give it all away You got this. We cannot wait to see your blog
1: explode. We would love to hear about the topics that you are going to write about. Make
0: sure you're hanging out with us inside the Facebook group. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind-the-scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to BossProject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details really love the show, it would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.